0: Yo, Indie Wrestling fans, and welcome to Indie Handshake. I am Jesus Cruz, your host, and today I'm joined by Vito Tomaselli, airborne Vito Tomaselli, oh, or a.k.a. Justin Riley. Wow, that's a deep dive.
1: We'll talk about that Justin Riley in a little bit. How you doing, man? Man, I'm great. Long time, Jesus. I don't think I've seen you since I left there, or maybe even talked to you since I left there, except maybe some random Facebook messages.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Vito and I met in, uh, I want to say, and three maybe 2004 because i remember seeing you first the first time i saw you was actually as that justin riley gimmick at cwa with billy blade Um, okay
1: and then i formally met you through pro wrestling iron yeah so billy blade was my first match in california and that was so i moved there i think april of 02 um and so I, i think that match was like in may of 02 or right to be i mean it it was right around the time i got there so uh it would have been then yeah and then iron was was right after that so yeah -hmm. yeah so let's start off with the standard go ahead the the justin riley thing so okay so i come out (laughs) to visit with mike and donovan because i wanted to come out to the school they hated the name airborne which was my other name they just hated it because at that point they were trying to do more shoot style stuff so they just like that doesn't work uh and and he pitched vito tomaselli and i'm like I don't know, man. Like I, I wanted something different. Like my name's always been Vito, so I'm like, ah, you know, I want something different. So I came home, and the dude that I was kind of shacking up with at the time, because I had some issues with my family, and, you know, it was, I was, I was 22. It was just what every 22-year-old is doing. So I'm shacking up my buddy's couch, and 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 his middle name was Riley, and his first name was Dean, but I thought there was too many Deans, so I just took his last name, and my buddy, my, my buddy killed himself when I was 16. And his name was Jason, but at the time there was a lot of Jasons and there was a really popular one named Jason Rain in the area. So I just picked Justin. So I did it. I did it at Windy City, which was, I worked like two shows there before it's a place out here in Chicago, before I moved. When I moved, I did it there. And then when I finally got on with like Mike and Donovan, I I go there and I'm like, okay, it's going to be Justin Riley. And they're like, no, it's Vito Tomaselli. We've already, we're not interested in that. And I was like, okay. I remember being kind of mad about it. I was like, well, that kind of sucks. Yeah. And I, I mean, looking back, they were a hundred percent, a hundred percent correct. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so they're the Thomas. ones that gave you the Ellie last name. Well, my last name's Thomas, so they just they just threw the Ellie on on the end of it, which makes a lot more sense. Because how many times I had to answer like, "Oh, Vito, what's your last name?" Corleone, or you know, some you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would say, no, it's Thomas, and they'd go, "Well, that doesn't work." Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it worked out pretty good. So, to the so point you- that I think way more people know me as that, like people call me that. Like I, I, I've been dating girls randomly, like, and when I go out, like date six, seven, eight or whatever, you know, it comes up. Oh, that's not my last name. Like, that's not your last name because that's not my social media too. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just starting off with the standard
0: question, you know, how you got into pro wrestling and mm-hmm. more importantly, how did you discover indie wrestling in your
1: area? So uh, 98. Uh, the, Indy City was really the only thing, and they were. This guy broke off like every Indy does. This guy was breaking off, and he was starting this thing called PWI. It may have been a couple of years before that, or right around that time. Uh, and a guy that went to my high school was actually uh, was was a wrestler, and he showed up one day. Um, I, I'm friends with him to this day. He's a character, but he he showed up one day in like this really nice like winter trench coat, and he had a belt. And, and I'm not mind you, this is so to me, this is probably '96 maybe early 97. So I'm, you know, I, I'm still young and shit. And, uh, <laughs> and I saw it and I was like, the heck is that? Like, I mean, it, it, it was kind of startling. So I, I went up to him like, Hey man, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm the champion of, I couldn't tell you the conversation now, but that was the first time I saw this dude was a wrestler. Right. So like a couple of years have gone by and I met like one of the local diners and I saw him again and I'm like, Hey man, you know, what's the deal? You wrestling He's like, yeah, I'm like, I want to get into it. What do I got to do? And he took me to windy city. Now windy city had this awesome studio. It was a TV ready studio and all these like red velvet drapes and these big, like cut out signs of their logos. It was so professional on the wall of champions, every champion they ever had. And when you walked into Sam's office, which was the owner, he had all the belts in a glass case. like in a, t- in a tiered glass case. It was <laughs> it, it was awesome. Right. Like, like, like you totally you totally fell for it. But at the time, I just couldn't afford it. Well, by the time I could afford it my buddy, uh, uh, Mike Webb moved somewhere else to another company. So I went there and that guy was Sonny Rogers. And Sonny Rogers is a former WWF job guy, um, you know, very good old school. The best guys to learn from when you're gonna break in, when you're gonna start are the old school heel job guys. Um, they just they just get it. And they teach you every single thing you need to know before you need to know it, right? And Sonny was one of those guys. Um, so I was lucky enough to get that training. He had a couple other guys there too that, like uh, Jimmy Blaze and John Burke, that I worked with a little bit early on, and they were kind of helpful. And later in life, were helpful. So I've always kind of like maintained good friendships, you know. Then I bounced around the Indies a little bit. And at at this time, you got to remember it's like 2000, 2001. It's not, the internet's there, but it's not used for any of this kind of stuff. Like if you had your own webpage, it was like really cool. Like, Whoa, you have a, you have a website. Like, yeah. And it was something like airborne.to. You know, PPPX.com. Yeah. Geo cities. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, some nonsense. Uh, And everybody had to have a message board on their website. Like that was a cool thing, you know? So it's just a different time when, when you really think about it. And um, I met Donovan. So there there was this guy, Brian Zanner. He was like, oh, sorry, you was- met Donovan
0: out, out in Illinois?
1: Yeah, so there was this guy named Brian Zenner who ran Midwest Championship Wrestling, and they were like they were before Ring of Honor. Like, they, and, and he was bringing everybody to a centralized place that he thought was the best guys all over the country. So there's like Scoot Andrews at the time, Vic Capri, Jason Rain, Donovan Morgan, Vinnie Massaro. Uh, we ended up bringing out Mike at some points, but then all the ECW guys and you can roll your eyes, but this is 2001, right when they got out. They all they all ended up there, you know, and and it was an awesome little melting pot, and uh, way ahead of its time, really. Um, and I met Donovan there. He was one of the, he was like one of the first guys they brought out as like this, like, like an international or a national superstar or whatever, right? And we just kind of hit it off, but we weren't, I wouldn't say we were buddies, but we just hit it off. And then I saw him over a string of shows. And in that same time as when he got grabbed and brought over to Noah. So then there was a gap and then they brought him back and he was like a complete different person and i don't mean that in a bad way but he went from like indy donovan like oh hey hey ho to like business where's my check where's my okay what are we doing with eight minutes great what's the complete different guy and i remember being like whoa like like okay i want that like whatever that is i want i want that right yeah and six months later whatever it was they announced iron right and this is, this is the coolest part. So they announced iron. Everyone freaks like, like that was a big thing, right? The Indies were like, what is, Oh God, oh, this is going to be crazy. Uh, it, it's not ran by a boss. It's ran by the boys. And again, all this is before everyone got burned by all that stuff. So this was yeah. really exciting stuff. Right. There's and so what many was, Donovan
0: speeches I have recorded of like why we started this company and
1: how uh, I could sit and watch that stuff all day long because I, I still talk to him to this day. He's still one of my really good friends and a very different person today. And he really like appreciates his time from there. And he learned a lot from there. And and when you get him to break stuff down, he's, he's still sharp as a tack with a lot of stuff, but he's not a Mark, you know? So he's always, he's always going to tell you like, like really good stuff. So I sparked that relationship with him. And then like six months later, they started iron. Right. So then I iron starts and now I want to move out there. So, uh, I go to move out there on their grand opening, like the when, cause they, they were there for four or five months, whatever it was, and they had a big grand opening. Well, I was the front story that they put about guy from Chicago moving here. You know, I was an indie, like I was a rookie of the year kind of guy and all that stuff. So it, like they put that there and that's when they got put everywhere. So because of that and me moving there at that same time, not planned, I ended up, my name got everywhere and I started getting booked all the time. And, and, and when PWI mattered, you know, like like like, my number went up immediately, like, like like the following year. It's just, it it was a huge turning point, and all it was was two guys just saying that I should be on on their shows. That's all it really was. Yeah. Okay. So you did Iron first. So I thought
0: I thought it was the other way around. I thought you did like CWA shows with Billy Blade and SPW, and then Iron. So maybe no, I you moved
1: there. I moved there for iron. That, yeah. that was the whole reason that I moved there. I did the Billy blade show because either he, I think he called up or maybe Apollo was on the show. Somebody was on, I know it wasn't Apollo because his first show was like hot August fights. It was somebody, it may, mm-hmm. may have been Corey. And he was like, Hey, you want to go? And I was the only guy that had like, um, I, I was approved to work outside of the company right away. Cause some so those other guys hadn't had matches yet. So they, right. they couldn't just go work wherever they wanted to work. Um, so I, I forgot who I went to but I wanted, I wouldn't have gone there by myself. Right. So I want to say it was Corey mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I never worked for him again. So it, it, not for any reason, Billy Blade's a good dude. Went to Iron, did my stuff with Iron. I was there for probably, we had moved into the new school and that's when Sal came on board. When Sal came on board is when we all started working SPW. Yeah. So I would say 2003-ish, you know, started working up there. So mm-hmm. I didn't, here's the thing. I didn't really get the Indies. Like it wasn't taught to you how it is today. Like today it's simple, right? Get, get a GIF, slap up a couple posts on Facebook, be politically correct have it somewhat of a body, just have some kind of gimmick and you're booked. It's really simple. Right. Yeah. But, it, but at this time you, you, you had to go and do it. Right. And I, I didn't go there to rock the Indies. I went there to learn the Japanese style that I knew was only one way to learn. It was through these guys, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I wasn't there for a long time. That was not my final stopping. I knew that going there. I knew that the, every minute I was there, you know, uh, we were going to squeeze that lemon till it was squeezed, right? Yeah. And once it was, we were out of there. And I say we as Sal ended up jumping on, which we'll get into that in a little bit too, I'm sure. Yep. But um, I have, I got every, who I am today is because of that period. I lived with Corey, Tommy Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to learn to be on your toes? You, you, you live with that guy where he's watching you and judging you 24 hours a day. <laughs> and then Donovan, whenever he was home, for that two-week period three-week period was living on our couch so the three of us man i have stories for days on that Us was just getting smashed all day long and sitting on the porch and i mean we were living the life you know we yeah. thought we were rock stars so it's yeah man that that time is, is, is definitely incredible but i don't want to bounce too much around but if it, 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 it all fell off once frank murdoch came on board in, in my opinion and well yeah. that, that's kind of that's kind of a cliffhanger for it a little bit i guess
0: yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get more into the iron story so just rewinding a little bit back to like yeah. training when you, what was some of the shocks to you when you signed up for training as far as like, you know,
1: as a, going from a fan to a worker, what were the biggest shocks to you? Well, I, I want to say this much. When I, when I came here, I'd already been wrestling three years, you know? And I mean, like on the Indies, like, 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 like working, I, I was by no means was I a student, but I didn't know how to put it all together. Right. So I had a ton of matches, but they, they were nothing. Right. So, ask me your question one more time. Cause I was going to go somewhere specific with it. I want to see what the shock
0: was or, or the realization going from oh. fan to a worker.
1: Yeah. So, so at iron, I didn't, I had to learn how to put all that stuff together. Right. So yeah. I would say that I really went from a fan to a worker. Then I still think I was too much of a mark before that. So like the initial part of going from a fan to a worker was crazy. It was awesome. Like there's, you're like a little kid, right. But when you finally have that switch turn on and someone smartens you up, it's so different. So see, when I got there, Rick Thompson was the head trainer. Mm -hmm. The only trainer. And, um, I started at the beginner's class. I like, even though I got to work other places, I didn't come in like, Oh, I'm a semi-pro guy now. Mm -hmm. Like I came in, I started at the beginner's class. So like that first few months, six months, I didn't take any bumps. No, no bumps. I I just, I just chain wrestle. Well, I'm a high school junior high wrestler Mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm pretty good. You know? So when I got into Rick's class, he was teaching that stuff and the guys, there were athletes. None of them were wrestlers. So I remember we got in there and we're doing some stuff and, and he went, he goes, okay, do, do a takedown you guy. Like, you know, you got to kind of pay your dues with Rick before he puts you over. And I did this ankle pick trip you know, thing. And then grabbed a the head and picked him up to a front face. Like, and he's like, Oh, Oh, he's like, who, oh, oh, shit! hi, I'm Rick Thompson. Who are you? I'm like, I'm V and, and, and it changed his entire perspective on, on, on who I was. But at that point, I knew this was the right move is to just go back to the very beginning. Right. Because I need someone now to pick all that out. So he went in and, and took all my amateur wrestling and turned it into pro wrestling for me, like almost move by move. And at the same time, I refreshed his amateur wrestling stuff because he, he was so far out of it and i'd show him all these really sweet moves and then he started applying them and teach them to the guys and going, oh but so and so back in 38 used to do this exact same move and i forgot all about that till i just saw it one time he used to let us finish spots so we would do like Ankle pick, you know, head pick, pick them back up, front face lock, and then finish them. So you want a suplex or you want a hip, like whatever you want to do, you can finish it. Yeah. So one of it was like a duck behind or go around and then you and you get him like for a German and he said, finish it. Well, everybody does like the ankle trip, right? Or they do a schoolboy or they do a snap mirror, right? Well, I like I had him in a German and I picked him up in the air with with my hips by bucking his hips and I picked him up throwing him kind of out sideways and I sucked his shoulders straight to the ground and I pinned him. It's called the standing suckback. It's like the coolest move if you could pull it off in college wrestling, right? And 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 that's when Rick started dancing. Dancing, oh oh my God. He's and, and he's dancing. I mean it, it, I want to see it again. He's like, I want to see it again. He's like, do it with somebody else. I can't believe it. Do it with somebody, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh so he just really built my confidence to know that I was always a flippy guy. I was airborne, right? So I had to be a flippy guy and he was like you don't got to do none of that you don't have to do none of that at all he's like if you just grab a hole one time and it looks real you don't got to let it go till the guy gets out and that makes so much sense it's so easy but when you really do it out there and you really know what you're doing your whole body is making everybody else believe that's what you're really doing that's the magic of rick thompson he made your whole body treat this thing like a shoot
0: right. everything yeah yeah no rick's a good dude i've actually had a couple of conversations with them uh... During the last couple of months, uh, I'm actually going to have him here uh, hopefully soon. Uh, but yeah, he just has a wealth of information. Funny thing about him, he said that he never really learned pro. He's he always had that amateur background, and they just start putting him in matches, and that's where he picked up the 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 pro wrestling side of it. Yeah, yeah, that was a very memorable time. That was at the old gym, at the first gym at Iron, the Karate and, Gym. Yeah, was that what was your first match at Iron? It was it it
1: was at the dojo, right? I was at well, I was at the very. I main evented the very first dojo show against Apollo. Mm -hmm. And I was the very first iron match ever that they had against Doc Schultz or whatever. I think it was Doc Schultz. They called him that big. Yes, That was up in Ukiah. Yeah. 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 And And then, and then what's cool is I, I had a lot of little neat things and then a year to that date, like the one year anniversary show is when I got to wrestle Mike for the, for the Joe, for the, uh, the Noah junior title.
0: Yeah. The GHC title. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: talk about the, the second show that, um, pro wrestling iron hat which was which a lot of people consider their first real show which yeah. is where they had brought misawa and uh, i believe you tagged with was it solo snooker or were you uh it was i think it was you and solo snooker against jj perez and, and boom boom community
1: yeah yeah that was hot august fights and that would that would be considered like like the first iron show like that ukiah show was was like a test pilot like you know c- can we do this um i have that match somewhere too i i, I have my match with him because um i don't think that show ever got released anywhere but it's, it, it's a fun show it was yeah it, it ended up getting sold on high spots oh it did mm-hmm. no not how fights the one before that the Ukiah show. oh no 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 yeah yeah not yeah, yeah. so yeah um so yeah i teamed i teamed with solo Snooker, and, and it was kind of funny i remember going into that show and i was kind of let down because i remember being like this is a big show it's my first big show i'm not a tag team guy which is funny which is all i later in my all i did yeah but i remember being like i'm stuck with what and I remember at least being like cool that it was it was Snook's kid, you know, because I'm like at least something if someone's watching it, they're gonna watch his match, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing Boom Boom comedian, I was like, what? I got to do this with what? You know, he's not gonna want to do anything with me, you know? oh, and yeah. this is gonna be great. And then I remember JJ was kind of cool, but there was kind of a little bit of weirdness because he didn't make the jump over there right away, and then I did, and and, I, and they were telling he, I don't know if this is true or not, but there was like I, I took his spot there. And so there was like a little bit of weirdness. Again, that's what Donovan told me. Did he tell me that to start shit? Maybe, but you know, uh, I, I, it's, it's weird. I don't talk about this stuff too long, or this time frame in my career ever really. So it's kind of funny to go back and go. It's all kind of coming back in a little bit of waves. So yeah, no we, had, we, we had a decent match, but I'll tell you what they thought of it. If you go back and watch the DVD, they cut out everything, and it's just it's just mine and, and Solo's offense and, and, until we beat them.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I remember cutting that with Modest. Modest and and Ron Head did the commentary for it. Mm-hmm. And Modest was like chop this, chop this, just show this. And for the back when it was VHS, you know, Donovan, I mean sorry, Mike Modest wanted the the main event first on the tape and worked its way down to the first match. Which, you know, it was kind of a radical idea, but he's like, no, this is what people want to see and then we're going
1: to go this mm-hmm. way on it. That's how Mike's brain works and that's why that's why he's he's really good in a lot of ways, man. I, I got a lot of good, he, he did a lot for me. Yeah. So
0: like I said, the first gym was in a U.S. karate and boxing where I ended up running shows there years later and a school with Jason styles. But right after they moved to the new building and right when Frank Murdoch came in, I felt like the vibe changed or like the quality changed a little bit in the training. I mean, Mike and Donovan were there as much as they could. Um, but then you started lending a hand too. So when, when did you get approached like, hey, can you lend a hand in training?
1: So this is exactly what happened. Rick wanted to retire. Rick wanted out. And Rick went to them and said, Vito should take over. I, wasn't, I don't think I was in their plans, but I don't know who else they would have had do it really. But, I, but I, I, don't, I don't think I was their first choice. Um, you know, so, so then I took over. I, I did it, if I remember correctly, it wasn't long. Uh, it was like a couple of months and then and that's when then Frank came on board. It was that because I was Corey and I were both doing it. And and to be honest, there wasn't a lot of new people. It was everybody that was already there that was already trained. So our our practices turned into shows in a sense. Like we would just have matches and no one was really training us, really. I mean, but it was it was a kind of a hangout after after a while. And that's where the training started slipping because there wasn't really much to train on. Yeah. Then Frank came on board and uh that's your w- what happened was Frank would then get in the ring and teach people stuff where we were teaching shoot wrestling, real shoot, shoot wrestling. Like if someone has you an arm or you stand in front and you have your other arm and you try to push them away. When Frank teaches you wrestling, Frank has you hold the arm out to here and you sell way out here. And it's all, it's, it's not what we were. Now, when you look at hybrid wrestling today, it makes a lot more sense today. Right. But back then that's what it wasn't what iron was at the same time like a group of APW people got, got schlepped over that left too. So then it was, it was all of a sudden it went from this super tight-knit group where we all had a very good base. We all trained the exact same way. We all knew the exact same stuff. And we all knew how we all worked right together. And we all had good frames on us to this, boom, here's another 30 people. Or here's another, whatever it was, 15 people, right? And, and here's another money mark in Frank. So now he has to stay and stuff. And that office, see that office back there? They're going to be drunk the entire day back there. And then when they feel like it, they're going to come out and they're going to tell you, you guys aren't us and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So we, we let that happen to us for about six, seven, eight months. And that's when Sal and I got to work for TNA and we got out of there. We yeah. went, we, we moved to Atlanta and started work. We, we knew exactly what was going to happen. And then a year and a half or so later, two years later, it was, it was gone. Speaking of Sal, you know, tell us about
0: the inception of the, of the Iron Saints and how you guys
1: yeah. So, so Sal came on to, like I said, at the very end of the karate dojo into in the new school. And he, he came from SPW where a, a few of those guys had come down for a tryout. Right. And, and he actually had promise. He, he, there's something about Sal's body. When you see his body move, if you're squinting and you're just watching the action of the body, his body moves perfectly like the way he bumps and the way he feeds and the way he comes to the middle and the way he sets you up and every single way he comes at you, his his body just sells right all the time. He's always selling correct. And I saw that like like the minute I saw him and I was like, Man, I don't know what it is, but I just like him. I think he's cool. I like him. And I pulled him to the side and he had this stupid mohawk. This really terrible. <laughs> like, have you, ever, have you ever seen like, like you know, those kids were like, like, like those helmets on the bikes and they have like the unicorn one with like that, like it almost looks like a broom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looked like that. And I was like, come here for a second. Like, what is that? Oh, it's my, I want it to look cool. You You don't look cool. Yeah. Like shave that, you know? Then he signed up, and then he was the guy that was there early and left late. And because um, I I had to lock up with Corey, like I I had kind of the same thing. So, and then he'd pick your brain, but he wouldn't pick your brain. And then yeah, but you, hey, uh, how do I do this one spot? You do it this way. Oh, thanks. You know, you know what? You know how I would do it? No. why would you even ask me? Right? Like Sal was one of those guys that would ask you and then apply it. And then at the next show would go, I, I I'm going to do that tonight. Let me know if it works out there. And then you'd see it. And then he would add something to it. Yes. Right. So I saw that a couple of times and then him and I just started, um, we would have four man matches, two man matches, whatever, just whoever was in practice just matches. And Mike came over one time and Sal and I would just happened to be on a team with like somebody else maybe. And we're just bumping around and doing our stuff. And every time we tag in, we, we would do like something, you know, double hip toss, something double, double elbow, something easy. And we get out and Mike's like, man, you guys should be a tag team. And, and, and I'm like, I'm a singles guy, man. I'm not really interested in it. you know." And and, and he's like, no, no, I think you guys should be a tag team. And he's like, I just watched the Boondock Saints. And, and he's like, I wanted to name somebody after the Saints because we're, you know, Tetsu something Saints. He goes, I'm thinking, how about the Iron Saints? And I look at Sal and I'm like, that's a really cool name. Like just the name alone is a, yeah. is a really cool name. And what's crazy is at the exact same time, I'm from Chicago. So the, the, like the two prettiest girls at the prom in Chicago were CM Punk and Cole Cabana. And they start the second city Saints. Well, him and I have a heat for fucking years before this. So they thought that we took that from them. Oh. And it just, it, it, it's just it's stupid to say it out loud now. But at the time, it was a thing, um, you know, so it came it, 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 it came that way. And to the point that I had to give Sal a pair of my trunks because we didn't have matching gear. Like, that's how fast Mike wanted it to happen. I didn't even want him to be Sal Thomaselli. I thought I'll be Vito Tomaselli and he could be something. Right. And Mike's like, no, man, you guys look like brothers. He's like, screw that. He's like, you guys are brothers. And I was like, I'm not having this dude that I just met bite off my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Like no, no offense. You know, I'm, I'm not doing it. And so I was I, the first couple matches or the first couple things we did at the dojo. I was pretty salty on it, you know, but of course, you just follow the rules again. I wanted to learn. So I just follow the rules. Uh, like our third match but like our first real match was, what against was the first F- match
0: is the Aaron Saints.
1: They were practice stuff so like Apollo and Mario. Um you know like Bison and somebody like like it was just it was just hey get in there and do it. But our first show was against the SATs at that really cool bar in San Francisco. Yeah. Really cool right. bar in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah And and I remember we did it and I remember getting in the back and I'm like whoa like what was like what did we just do like because in singles matches you, you can keep the temp- tempo going but in 2002 you weren't you there was breaks there's rest holes like there's stuff so you, th- th- it wasn't what it is today but we were able to do that in a tag match i remember i got in the back and i'm like okay yeah i'm sold right i'm sold right now yeah. and we ordered our, our matching here like the next day and i never i never had a i had maybe like five singles matches the rest of my career
0: yeah no that um, was a great match we're actually going to show it um uh, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to show it in January
1: um, That's our first tag match so, yeah, like, like, Okay, just... so I didn't know that was your
0: first tag tag match And actually You guys weren't supposed to Since you guys weren't a tag team yet. The original team was a Little uh, little Cholo and B-Boy mm-hmm. They were going to wrestle the SATs But APW at the time uh, um, Had heat with us And uh, they didn't let them They let did, Didn't let them work And then sure enough, you guys just started being the Iron Sands We're like, fuck it Let's do Iron Saints versus ace 18.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know what? That was the big match for us because um, after it, Mike and Donovan knew we could go. And they were like, oh, shit. Okay, we have somebody else on our team that, that can go. You know, and it wasn't like they didn't see us do whatever, but when they see it in front of a crowd and, and all of a sudden – I call it set it and forget it talent. Like when you're set it and forget it talent, you just know whatever thing you're thinking they're going to do and they do it and they're set it and forget it. We became that in one match for them. And it was, very, very, it, it was, it was a great thing for us because then Crash came around and who did they put him with? We got the work, uh, we worked all of his matches, I think. Yeah, uh, him and Hook, uh, Sal, how, how, how were those matches? How was it working with Crash? It was really cool, man, because uh, he was like the first talent that I got, TV talent that I got to work with that actually was cool to me. You know, cause before it's like honking talking, man, I'll take five bumps and one's the finish and you're going under. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is gonna be fun, right? But he was like the first guy that was like, hey man, you got any weed? yeah yeah come on and, and we're smoking bowls and he's like oh let me tell you about monday night raw and so for like three hours we would just be sitting in this van smoking weed and he would break the whole business down to me and then and then he wanted to work with me so then we then we had these great matches and, and he he taught sal and i so much about what how tag teams maneuver around each other so if you ever watch any of our matches we always had to be so if him and i stood together that how wide that would be that would always be how wide we'd be from each other and, we'll, and we circle the ring this way. And that was taught to us by Crash. that Because then you can always bump evenly and bump and feed. And you never have anybody in the way because you have two body lengths. Mm. Now you think about it. How do you measure that? You really do. So you, we're, we're, never, we're never 50-50 staring at it. We're arm length from each other, squared up, angling in. And that's how we come at everybody. And also when we bump and feed, we bump and feed that same way. So we always bump and feed to the center. When the one guy bumps and feeds out, he feeds away. The next guy bumps in. It, and, and, and we started do, we started learning all that that early on. So mm. like our... In under 10 matches, probably less, we had a guy like that take us on a road you know of a string of matches and just and tell us the psychology of, of how to do it so if you go watch that match with the sats and then the very next match if you watch like our last match it's like in that really dingy gym like with the really bad lighting that orange lighting mm-hmm. if you watch that that that's the last time we worked with them that match is is light years of different if you look at the structure and psychology completely different we had a new york east coast indie flop match against the sats and we had a structured pay-per-view 10 man tag or 10 minute tag team match with, with, with them. It was great. So
0: besides the um, Iron Saints versus SAT match, one of my other favorite matches from you were uh, you against UK kid at promising iron in Newark and you against Christopher Daniels also for PWI. I believe it was maybe in angels camp. Tell us about, you know, the experiences on both those matches.
1: Yeah. UK kid was cool because he, he was trying to prove something too. Like he, he was here to prove something at the same time I was, and we found each other at, at the right time. And I think we just had like magic together. Like, like when, when we would, I didn't know him at all till that day, you know, and you, but you would think that we trained together. Like if you watch the way that we moved and how we moved, um, that was after my, I had a, like a 45 minute Broadway match with CM Punk the week before that. Um, and that was like a really big, That was a long match for me, you know? So I remember like, so when I got to this match, I wanted to try a lot of new stuff that I learned from that match, you know? And Tom was all down for all of it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll do it. And I got out there and he's there for all of it. Like, like, he was a guy, you didn't have to call them the match. He he remembered it. He would just be there for the next spot and be there. He was, if that guy would have been doing what he was doing then now, he, he would be, like, in all the NXT UK. I, I think he'd be a part of all that he was a very talented guy. He made it on Shark Tank, the UK version, to try to sell a wrestling school. Oh, wow. they they, they, didn't, they didn't invest in it. But, yeah, he, that's the last time I saw him. I was like, whoa, hey, Tom, cool. <laughs> you know? oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that match was great. Now, the Christopher Daniels match was also, that was an important match to me because – he was one of my big matches in Chicago before I moved to California, and I didn't do good in it. Like, it was a tag match, and I was the odd man out. Like, there was, it was the first time Daniels and Loki got in the ring together, and that was a big thing at, at that time, right? And Loki was my partner, and Jason Rain was Daniels' partner. Well, those three were on fire, and I was just in the way. And I remember Daniels didn't like me, but the promoter liked me, so I, was, I just happened to clash with those guys a lot. So now when he was coming out, I remember I went to Mike Donovan and I'm like, hey, can I work him, man? Because now I'm a, I'm a complete different wrestler, right? And I wanted to prove it to him. So earlier that night, I said, uh, I, I walked up to him I'm like, hey, man, you know, we're working the other night. I mean, I, you know, I want I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna you to give me another shot. And he was like oblivious. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. And I was like, no, I, you know, this is what was going on. And this is how I saw it. And he was like, you know what, man? L- lay the match out for me. How, how do you want to do it? And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man. How do you want to do it? So I sat down and we and we and we started putting stuff together. And he goes, instead of that, how about you do this? Instead of this, how about you do that? Great. And we went out there and we had an awesome match. E- eight minutes. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that it was long or, but just basic match. And we got in the back and and, and he's like, you've definitely changed, man. And keep doing what you're doing. And and at that point, we were super cool with each other. And then I saw him several times, you know, thereafter. And like I say, it was just. There was a lot of like attaboys that happened by going to iron. It just changed me as a, it changed me as, a, as, as an entire person, man. So that's what I'm saying. I got all that opportunity, man. It's really fun to go back and think about it. So that those two matches were, were definitely standouts and I think gave them confidence in me. That was just before Sal and I started teaming.
0: So tell us about how the camaraderie was at pro wrestling iron. You know, you guys had, you guys had like a hook bomb area, Apollo Khan, Sarah, Del Rey and Seth, how, how did everybody get along and how, how were you accepted coming in from, from another state?
1: Yeah, you know, well, first off, when I first got there, it was that Doc Schultz guy. Uh, Vinny was kind of, Misara was kind of coming around, but wasn't really, but he he pop in periodically. Hook, Apollo, Mario, this guy named Sid, and he couldn't, he, he had a lisp, so he called himself Sid. Funny story about Sid. Um, and was there one more? I think it was just me. And that, oh, Corey, and then me. That was it. So we're like... I know Apollo and those guys, I saw his, his interview with you and he had called those guys like the originals, but I don't know, man. I was as deep into those originals as, as, as possible because I moved in with those guys when I came here. Those are the first guys that I moved in with, the the, 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 the Hayward Flophouse, right? Or the San Leandro Flophouse. Yeah. Um, so when you when you first walk in, where you take your shoes off, you know, like 10 feet in front of you is like the kitchen wall. Yeah. That little nook is where I had a bed, a dresser, a TV, and all my boxes and tapes and stuff. And I just lived there for like six months, yeah. five months. you know. Uh, and they took me in, I don't think I had to pay rent or if I had to, it was really nothing. Um, and then when you came in, that was the kitchen, right? And then you go through this little hallway here. Corey had his own room with a couch and a nice big and all this room. And then Sid and Mario shared a room and then the living room was like Apollo and a bed and like another couch for the next guy that came in Um, and and at night we all made dinner really quick then we all sat down and ate we all went and worked out like we all went to the gym uh or to to the dojo you know it it was just a different time man and then a year or so into it is when sarah and and ryan they were part of that wave that came in like i said they just kind of like smashed in all together that and no one was really helpful to anybody at the time that's why i don't think sarah really like puts over processing iron Like, if you ever hear her talk, her career started in Japan, you know, not before that, which I guess I don't, I don't know if I blame her or not, but you know, she, she did start there. (laughs) She did start there she got her feet wet there and Sumi Sakai was flown in to wrestle her there, you know, and that's how she got to Japan. I mean, from her hard work and don't get me wrong. She's, she's, she is the reason for the, for the women's revolution. People don't really realize that portion, but her training is what got those girls, who those girls are today is from Sarah Del Rey. The women's revolution would not have happened without Sarah.
0: Yeah. Period. Uh, what about some like, not-so-memorable moments from, from your time at, at Pro Wrestling Iron?
1: Wait, hold on. Can, we, can I give you another memorable? I actually yeah. have a few. Yeah. So when, when, when Crash was around and the school, we got into the new school, the school's rent was $1,800 a month. So we had to get some students in there, right? So Crash had this awesome work where we were going to do an open tryout, free, free to the public. Mm-hmm. Everybody come. Everybody comes, everyone tries out. It's basic stuff, run in circle, you know, uh, hit the ropes. You know, Here's how you tie up. And then and then in Iron, we had that really cool table. It was a big, like like, like all the important people sat on one side and there was one seat on the other side. So we bring each person individually and Crash Holly, just off TV, Crash Holly sits you down and goes, I like you, you didn't get the scholarship, but I, I think you could be on TV one day. Really? Yeah, you could be on TV one day. 2,500 bucks, it's normally five but we're going to, or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. But I think you got, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you half a sponsorship. How, what do you think? Oh, I don't really have, how much do you have? I, I only have like 300. Okay. Well, we'll take $300 down and then you're going to owe us 2200. And, and then they like, but because of that, we're going to tack on a couple hundred more dollars, you know, because it's like a, a fee. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh my God. Where do yes. Where do I sign next guy? I see a lot in you. I think you could be on TV one day and he did it for every single person that came in. And, 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 one guy gets a scholarship and you know, how they found out he got the scholarship in his pre-interview. They found out he was the only guy that didn't have a job. So they realized he's the guy that won't pay. So they gave him the scholarship. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, yes, yes. This is what I, this is why I moved here. Yeah. This is 100% why I, yes. Teach me how to work everybody. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, it, it it was as carny as carny gets, but that's what the business is. So so yeah. there's definitely no 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 hate on that. Yeah. Um I got a great Mike Modest story too. So we uh a lot of great Mike Modest stories. One, he let us borrow his truck one, one week or he was gonna go to Japan and he wanted his truck. He was just getting ready to sell it and he needed it down there so when he came back, he can grab it. But something happened with the license plate. There was something screwy. So he said, Don't take my truck out anywhere. You know, we said, we said, okay, no problem. Well, at the same time, my truck had like a flat tire. Something was wrong. Again, all of our stuff's falling apart because we're not, we're not making any money. Yeah. Cor- Corey's car is going to get impounded. So he's, he's, he's like hiding it three or four blocks on the street. And I'm picking him up every day. You know, so now we want to go out to the bar. I'm like, screw it. Let's just take Mike's truck. Who cares? I'm like, yeah, let's just take Mike's truck. So, so we, we, we go to the bar. It's like a mile. We get smashed, right? Smashed, smashed. Cor- Corey drives us out of there and we don't get out. Uh, we don't get onto the main road. Here we go. <laughs> so, I and Corey is 6'4", whatever he is, right? Big dude, good looking guy, right? But he's real loud. He gets out of the car right away. Today, you get shot for that, right? But like, you know, back then, I guess they let him. So he gets out of the car right away. he's like, oh, officer, what's, what's the problem? And he's like, oh, something's back here. And, and you know, do you, you guys know that your headlight's wrong or something's wrong with the headlight or something's wrong? Something was, something was screwy that he was pulling him over just to tell him. Corey sat there and the guy's like, you know, have you been drinking? He goes, sir, I'm going to be honest with you. I've definitely had two drinks. I just had a couple of drinks with my buddies. Yeah. The cop believed him. And it's like, all right, man, just be safe. You're just going down the street. In, in, in California, Yeah. he gets in the car and I'm like, I can't believe it. He goes, ha ha, another one. That guy can fall off of a roof of a home into a pile of shit. And he'll be like, oh, oh shit. And then I'm like, wait a minute, is this gold? Hey, there's gold here. And he'll find gold <laughs> in the bottom of the pool. Everything he does ends up that way. So yeah. So we never told Mike that story, but imagine if he would have got arrested on the EUI in Mike's truck, they would have impounded it, the whole thing. And we wouldn't have any money to get it out. So when it sat there for a couple extra days, it would have been the worst. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one about modest. So he lived like two hours from me. So I'd go up there periodically um Just to like pick his ear and you know hang out with him and shit. So we went up there and we're watching matches. He had the he in Fairfield, so there was an exit, the Fairfield exit. I can't think of what it is now. I think it's so, West Texas or something like that. That sounds about right. That yeah. sounds about right. So fast forward 2010. I'm on the road with icy We're touring all over the country. I'm in this big Prevot tour bus, and I'm in the back smoking a joint. And it's the morning, and we're driving. I know we were, I know we were heading to California. So I'm in the back. A couple of the artists are back there. We're just smoking. And I'm like, Hey, pull the window. So he pulls the window up and I'm like, where are we? And I look out and I swear to God, the minute it went up and I said, where are we? I see Mike's exit, the Fairfield exit. And I was like, oh, right. So I sat back. I'm like, okay, we're in California. Great. And I sat there now. An and then it hit me and I went, you know, <laughs> seven years ago, I was driving here for advice and I wanted mm-hmm. to make it. And 22 and, and, and year old Vito would have loved 30 years. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting there and the, the joint was just a little bit better you know, I, like, like that day got a little bit better, you know, that was like my 25th day on the road too. So missing home and stuff like everything. It, it, it was very, I felt vindicated, right on, just, man. just, just incredible. So I, iron was, a was a big thing.
0: What about, uh, tell us some of your experiences at SPW. Cause I know you worked there a lot too.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I that was like a Friday thing once a month. I, I, I don't think I have any big ugly was always really cool. Um, I don't really, I can't say that I, that I connected with, with, with anybody else, but I don't think it was that, that wasn't what I was, again, what it wasn't what I was there for. It was a $50 payday to go up there on, on a Friday and, and work. Yeah. I always thought it was a weird place. Cause you can only, only work to one side of the ring. Yeah. So man, what you did, you had to work to one side of the ring, yeah. you know, but again, man, all those experiences made me a really good worker because you have to like, learn that one thing to do in this one moment with those weird crowds like that. So I would say working there was great.
0: Did you uh, guys oh,
1: work on PWG? We did. Oh. We actually worked Rev Pro before that went away, and we worked that um, whatever their tournament was. Um, the Rev J, something like that. Yeah, we worked that, and that's when like PWG just had like their second or third show ever it was like the month before that. So we met Super. Drag- I I worked Super Dragon that on, on, in that tournament, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Hey, you guys ever want to come down, man? You know, we'll, we'll use you guys." So I, we we went and worked a handful of shows for them. Um, we worked. Like, I worked Panoy Boy, which is TJ Perkins. Uh, and and then like we worked Joey Ryan and that group like that superhero group they were in him and Scott Lost and, and yeah. somebody else yeah and then like Excalibur and um uh, Quicksilver Quicks mask or whatever the hell his name was we worked a couple yeah. Of those. yeah we worked those guys too we got to work to our tango and cash tournament you know so we we were we were there like if we would have stuck around I think we, we would have been a part of a lot of cool PWG stuff but it was time to go
0: you ever run into CM Punk there
1: yeah, we worked him in, um, in that Tango and Cash tournament. Yeah, he almost killed Sal. They gave him like the Road Warriors uh, finisher, but instead of it, they, they did the blockbuster. And he grabbed Sal, and he lost Sal, and Sal went straight down on the top of his head. If you go back and watch, yeah, he almost killed Sal.
0: Fuck. That was, yeah. was it Cabana and uh, him and Cabana?
1: No, it was Hero, Hero and Punk. Just, um, just weird. Tell
0: us about the opportunities you've had, like uh, you said, uh, going to TNA, but you've also, um, you guys have also been backstage at WWE for for Apollo's story. So tell us a little bit about those
1: experiences. Well, Apollo left out a major story. I I was hoping he was going to tell it because when I tell it, it sounds like I'm lying, but this is a straight shoot. You should almost add him in here right here saying this is (laughs) a shoot because this is a shoot we 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 did. We did raw and, uh, at this time, it was still kind of cool to mingle with the guys and stuff. If you were there, you were considered to be cool. You know, just don't get in anybody's way, you know, just and like the coffee machine, just stand by that a lot. Like, you know, so we just stood there and hung out a lot. So I'm standing there in Apollo, like, I'm standing here, Apollo's to my uh, left. And there's an open space here in the coffee machine to my right. So BS, we're just n- not doing anything. Stephanie McMahon walks up to me, like right next to me, not to me or to talk to me, not, I, I was a ghost she's like looking at her papers whatever gets a cup of coffee as she turns i like follow her like i'm gonna follow i'm gonna go walk somewhere else but really i was gonna i was just gonna look at her so as i turn to go look at her she 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 gets maybe a body length away from me drops her papers not like oops but like something happens and she drops her papers she bends over I, again this is where you insert apollo this is a shoot she she bends over i'm turning i see it i white thong the whole thing Apollo is looking at this too. This is not a lie. White fucking white thong. I look at her as I see it. I kind of glance up again. And Vince is maybe 10 feet in front of her with his arms crossed, just staring at me. And I (laughs) dude, I swear to, I swear to God, I, like, turned back towards the coffee machine, and I walked to the corner, the nearest corner, and I put my head in the corner. Not like not like I was being punished, but, like, I just had nowhere else to go. And I just stood there. A, and then they went wherever they went. And Apollo goes, I just saw that. I just saw that. He's like, oh, my. I can't believe I just saw that. He goes, Did you? He, he didn't know what to say. I'm like, Did, was that a rib? Like, we don't know if it was a rib or not. He goes, oh, man, that was crazy. That was a shoot. Yeah, so. That, that's my only good story out of that but then smackdown the next night Corey and i went to smackdown and uh we we were gonna have a match and it got cut and that was that was all i got out of that i, I got nothing out of it and then tna i got to work red so th- there was something that came out of that and then we moved to atlanta so we went from this like super shoot style you know legit shake your hands you know before any, at the end of each match right to go there and it's like popcorn you know how show goofy Whatever gets over, kind of stuff, and and that was great because then we got to, we got to totally experience the other side of us. Then we got to go up north to go to IWA where all that stuff was acceptable.
0: Now t- uh, tell us about the the main reason. Uh, you kind of talked about it. You kind of looted a little bit, but the main reason why you guys decided just to leave Iron right before Iron uh, um, went belly up too. I remember the I think the last show was a dojo show, and I th- I remember them playing like the fucking. Alvin and the Chipmunks theme music for you guys for some fucking reason. I don't know if it was a rib or it was like a yeah,
1: it it because they, they 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 were basically like you know that's how the rest of the indies are gonna look and and we and we thought about it like hold on let me let me back up a minute we we decided to leave when that when the wheels were gonna fall off this place, right? With like like the fix was in, they were out of money, and I and Donovan again best one of my best friends today was a total drunk, um you know I mean. Total drunk. There wasn't even a day that he wasn't completely annihilated. And he had a superiority complex now. And we weren't doing enough for him. So it got worse and worse and more and more toxic. So the writing was on the wall. And the whole chipmunk thing was, was that and we were thinking ourselves on the drive. I remember Sal and I were driving back to my place. And I'm like, we'll show those motherfuckers chipmunks. Like you guys were booking us strong the entire time. You guys didn't think we were chipmunks. You know, you guys are just jealous because you guys' careers are over. And that's literally what we thought. You, you guys you guys peaked. You peaked and you didn't pivot. That's the whole thing about wrestling. You can peak a million. Chris Jericho peaked last year. Again, you could peak, but then you got to pivot. Right? And those guys peaked, 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 and they, and, they, and they hung out as the Americans from Japan, and they didn't have to do anything else. And then when it got time to elevate themselves, Donovan didn't, didn't have the ability to because he was, he was annihilated and, and Mike thought the whole world should come to him because he was in beyond the mat. That's just my opinion of what their attitudes were at that time. You know, so we just knew that we had to go. Uh, right. And again, we were right. They didn't, they, they didn't last, you know, and at the time the shows got worse and worse and worse and worse and the talent got worse. And, and it was, they were just putting him on to put them on. I remember watching one show after we had left where Micah Donovan did Mike's joint where Donovan's playing a video game, and they were just doing saying some of the most racist stuff to to uh, to uh, the girl with the lupus on her face. I can't remember her name now, and I was just like, "Wow, what is going on here? Holy cow! If that stuff happened today, if that was like a live stream, oh, they would be they would be canceled in every which way they could possibly be canceled, right? So I, we just thought it was the right time. There's a lot of footage I can't release for that reason. I bet. <laughs> You could release it right, right to my Google drive though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I just, I just think it was, you know what though, man? But as, as I look back older, um, a lot more wiser, you know, um, I, I I'll say it again. I wouldn't be the guy that I am today if I didn't get to work with both those guys and Rick, um, and have the team of athletes that were around me at the time. And, and, and it was a different thing. It wasn't a wrestling school. It's like, okay, run the ropes, hip toss. Okay. Okay. Drop kick. It wasn't that at all. It was, it was a dojo. It was legitimately a dojo, yeah. you know, and we trained like it was a dojo. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I I just I I wish that instead of Frank coming in, they would have had like like the head of, uh, you know, Apple come in (laughs) like like a real business guy come in and go, okay, stop it. I'm going to run the business. You guys just because there was a lot there, you know, there was a lot there. And if they they wouldn't have been such drunks at that time, too, I think that they would have got what Harley got and their school would have been the feeder system to Noah. It would have been a no brainer. You know, and at the same time, New Japan was breaking into LA. You know, it, it all would, it all made sense. And I just think that they looked at those guys like, fuck that.
0: Yeah.
1: We're not giving our money to those guys. They're, they're, they don't get it. Yeah.
0: Man, that's, that's a shame. Because a lot of newer guys, a lot of greener guys were really good for being – as new as it were, like, you know, Joey Harder, uh, Ray Cage-Mura, Tito Aquino, like, those guys were were fucking good for for being as green as they were.
1: And really, they, they were, like, the first second class of iron. Even though, like, the APW guys all came over and all that, but they were, like, the first group that got trained one way, all together, and they all liked each other, and they all understood each other, and they were all athletes. That's why those guys all worked. That was what we had before the whole influx of everybody. And again, I'm not blaming anybody. I think it's just a natural thing that occurred. And we were all, none of us were prepared for that in our lives at all. None of us were. Yeah. we bunch of delinquents, you know. So uh,
0: tell us about life after Iron. Where did you guys go after Iron? I know you guys did, uh, I'm sure you're talking about JCW. I'm actually very interested in that because I was yeah. a hardcore juggalo in high school. Shit, yeah. my backyard wrestling name was juggalo Jesse Cruz. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> so I'm interested in what happened after, after pro wrestling Iron. So
1: we went to, uh, we moved to Atlanta to work for Wildside. Um, Cause we wanted to learn to work on TV, but we didn't want to We didn't want to do it on TV. Right. And at the time he was the only guy that had like a TV studio and they were film TV. So you had a match and you had a promo and a match and a promo. And every Friday they'd have shows in front of like six people that would show up, but it was a show. So you can come out and try new stuff. And then they had coaches in the back that would break it down to you and be like, Hey, I really liked when you did this or, Hey, you know, you guys ever thought about changing your gear? I, I see this for you. It, 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 it was a very much so like, Go to learn a new hold. You go learn it in Cornelia, Georgia. No one's watching, but everyone's watching. It's, it's really strange. And we loved it there. Um, it, it, it cost us nothing to live there. It was like $600 a month for a two bedroom, full living room, big you know apartment. When in California, I was living with two guys. That was at least my half or my portion. you know. So that was a good time, but there was nothing else around us. So after eight months, it was like, yeah, we've we've experienced it. They put Tony Mamaluke with us as a manager, mm-hmm. and we thought that was so cool. Um, but he wanted to change his name. He wanted to call himself Anthony Legato, and we we're like, then I mean, we don't want to work with you. Yeah. Like no offense. Like the, the, the rub comes from Tony Mamaluke. If yeah. there's any rub at all, it's not. It's going to come from that. So that didn't that, that lasted a couple cups of coffee, and that was done. And then it was time to go. So we uh, and again we learned a lot there. And and but there wasn't that that wrestling's boring to me. And I I, I, I it never felt like alive. That promotion was never alive, but I don't think it was meant to be that. Um, it, it's literally a stop off. Yeah. So it's time to go back north. At the same time, my old man gets in a, in a pretty bad car accident. Uh, and my sister gives birth to our first, like, um, uh, what would you call it? Like my first niece. So like the first kid, grandkid in our family. Mm-hmm. So it was time to go back home. Well, now Sal moves with me. I didn't say that part. Sal moved with me. Right. And then set moving back up uh, back up north and we kept doing the Iron Saints thing. So when we came up here, we, we, we worked a couple of shows for IW Mid-South and really got over. Now, what's great, crazy about that, a year or so before that, we, we had like a little tryout match with them and they were just like, you know, we got nothing for you guys. And we were always really bummed about that. Then when we get back up there for the NWA, IWA invasion thing they did for like three or four months. And we were the standouts too. We came in, we had a new finish and we new gear and we just blew them away. And, uh, and it started this whole thing. And we, we ended up feuding with Ian right away. And we did like a two year feud with him. Um, that was well, a lot of really fun, you know, check off stuff. If you, if you have uh, independentwrestling.tv, just search Iron Saints in IWA and you'll see there, it's all up there. Really cool stuff. We worked with a lot of really good guys. And we perfected exactly how to be a tag team up there exactly what we had to do. So then we'd go to these promotions, these little promotions, and we get paid a lot of money to go there and take their two greenest guys and their two guys that just don't understand it, and work two or three shows with them and teach them what they got to do right, and then move on. And we got really good at that too. Um, so Sal and I over, over a period of time just became guys that would work with the other guys on the show match three we loved it get there smoke a blunt put our gear on wrestle go back out we had the rest of the show to hang out and chill out, you know, we thought we, we, we like that more than anything else, you yeah. know, that worked out really well we got a name for ourselves that PWU came around that, that was processing unplugged which was like a big a big Indian 08 or 07 whatever it was, mm-hmm. we were working for Chikara at the same time we worked CZW at the same time, you know, so we, we were busy man. Yeah. And then my buddies wanted to start a promotion. We started elite pro wrestling in 2006. Um, and that lasted three years and great times and great matches there. And, and then 2000 2000- promotion or was it a school as well? It was a school too. So Sal and I ran that school um, and, and trained the guys there too. We probably had, I mean, we probably had like 20 students, 25 students total, but that worked with Sal and I, I think it would probably be about 10. Um, and, and they all, they all came out pretty decent. I mean, at, at the point that the last year of our promotion, it was filled with our students so, you know, we must have did something right. At what um, point
0: does your brother join you guys,
1: Paulie? So I moved to California in 2002. Paulie starts, I want to say, in 2004. We move back. So he then comes, he does a couple shows for us at Wildside. So in that 2004, 2005, he's already been out there doing that. When we get back home, he's on the IWA team and we're on the NWA team then that fed into a couple tag matches. So right away in 05, we, we were feuding with him. And what's great is we would win all these tag matches because they would set up like, like partners for Brandon and they, they never got their comeuppance because Ian would never rebook that cool guy that he, that he got him to team with. So this, this angle just kept getting pushed. And we just kept beating Brandon all, all over the place. Cause Ian had these, Ian had a cool deal with uh, all the uh, armories and there's hundreds of them in Indiana. So we would do a Friday and Saturday every single week, somewhere in Indiana at, at these armories. Yeah. It, got got to work a lot of men. and yeah. then 2008 i, I met violent J, yeah. and uh we got to work him at pwu they did this um literally a lethal lottery shoot lethal lottery right well there was a there's like a whole section of juggalos that were obviously there so corp had put out to a couple of feelers to, to those to those fans because he's you know tight with all of them saying hey we want to work with the thomas Ellis like we want to because he's trying to get me in front of violent J because he's tried and, and they just it's impossible so no kidding. One of the juggle pulls the first hat, the first name out of the hat. They're like, number six, seven, eight, five, two. He's like, oh, I'm, uh, I am I got it. And Corp looks at him right away. And he, he gives him like the deal. The guy goes, I want the Iron Saints against, you know, Jay, Tony, and, and Corp. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, fuck yes. Right? Yeah. So, so we get in the back. We're putting our stuff together. And like 10 minutes goes by. And like the guy that, that, that runs like the gorilla area. Cause he goes, all right, you guys are on first. And we're like, first, like we didn't even have a chance to put any, all we put together was from the double down on. Like we kind of knew what we were going to do and what we were going to do, but we didn't have anything else. Right. I, I, I'm sorry. I lied. We had the finish and we had the beginning. So violent J's face, pun intended goes white, completely white. And he's like, Oh, we can't go first, man. I don't know. Because he doesn't wrestle, man. But So he needs a little while to to get it to all make sense in his head, right? So I said, don't worry, man. We got you. Everything we just planned in the beginning, that's the finish. Guys in the beginning, we'll just do everything else and let's just go home on that. They're like, okay, fine. As we go to walk by, I can hear Jay telling Corp, like, man, we got to change this. I don't want to do this. And he's like, don't worry, man. We'll be fine. We go out there, we do like eight to 10 minutes or something, and we we get, or we had to catch Violent J on, on, on a dive the outside, which we were scared to do. We caught him perfectly, <laughs> oh, shit. right? So so we get in the back and he's like, where have you guys been? Why aren't you on my shows? Where have you, why aren't you guys on my shows? And we never missed another show for five years, you know, um, to the point that he brought us on the road. I got the book for them, um, like the last year and a half, two years that I was with them. We, we, we got to do several tours, one really big national tour. And I got to book all the talent for that. Um, so they taught us a ton, man. Those guys, you know, I don't know if they got out of fourth grade or fifth grade, whatever. They got they they quit school really early, maybe eighth grade, whatever it was. And but you want to learn how to make money, and you want to learn how to see something about what what makes you make money. Those guys, those guys have a Violent J more importantly than Shaggy, but Violent J really believes everybody has something special in them. Everybody has something special in them, and and he'll make that come out of you. If you sit with him for 10 minutes, that guy will find that in you and he'll make you believe you have it. And then he pushes you out of the nest. And you don't get that from his music. You don't, you don't get that from the way he's positioned in interviews. But that dude is one of the most inspirational, smartest um, carnies. And I mean that in a real positive way than I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And I got to sit under the learning tree with him a ton. They came out with a movie, movie that Big Money Wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, 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 uh, we just won their tag belts. And the whole office wants to ride in these limos. It, it, it's the thing, right? Well, they cut off like half the office and like, no, just these people riding the limos. Everybody else just go to the deal. Nobody else is added to it at all. Well, we're in town because we had something else we had to do as as the tag champs. There, he's like, hey, you guys want to stick around for the movie? We're like, yeah. He's like, you know what'd be dope? We're like, what? He goes, you guys should ride in the limos. <laughs> like, we just heard this whole chaos going on. We're like okay, yeah, sure, right, the limos, so he gets on and talks to Billy, now, Billy doesn't like the wrestlers, he just doesn't like the wrestling at all, but he runs, like, the business of psychopathic, so he, I can hear it on the other line, he's like, hey, Billy, yeah, uh, which, which limo's empty, and you can hear, you can tell he's always like, none, like, what do you mean, which one's empty, he's like, we gotta, we gotta fit the Tomasellis into one of them, and you can just hear, he's like, why, like, what do you mean, why, he's like, he's like, they're our, they're our tag team champions, and now Brandon and I feel about this big, you know, but we got the big, we got the big guy sticking up for us, so we just pump our chest out, right, Yeah, 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 yeah. so, so they work it out, man. So we, we hop in this limo, and as we're driving, it's at the – no, it's like a really famous theater in Detroit. I can't think of it up the top, man, but it's all gold walls, and it's, it's a really impressive place. So as we're getting close to it – again, I don't know Detroit at all. We're getting close to it, and I see like a line of people. I'm like, whoa, cool. We get, we get to the end of that street. We turn left. A whole nother block line of people. I'm like, oh shit, bro, look, like, look at this. And now we're the idiots in the limo. Like we can't believe it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to the next light and now we turn again and now we're pulling up by by the red carpet and it's fucking loaded with people and lights and they have a whole camera people and news people. It, it was like we were at the goddamn Grammys. So uh-huh. Brandon, like like you re- you ready? We're the first people to get out by the way for any any limo. So like they don't care about we're total J brones, right? So, uh-huh. so like we get out of the limo and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta let me throw our belts over they're like who the f- who are these guys like boo <laughs> like boo right so we walked past those guys so the experience was kind of cool but it got us over because then right away there then they started talking about it and who are those guys and then before we knew it, it that's what got us over that's yeah. what I mean about Jay he just it was that one thing he saw it was an idea and then we became the most we were the longest reigning tag team champions they ever had so let's let's keep it going on the fun yeah.
0: topic let's talk yeah. about road stories I yeah. particularly want to hear one that I just saw you guys post about yesterday about Joey Harder. I really, <laughs> really want to know what happened, but go ahead and kick us off with some stories.
1: All right. So Joey Harder, this is, okay, this story, this is, I was a part of it all, but I got to be honest, he wasn't my student. Like, so like he, I was cool with him, but he, and he wasn't like my friend either. So when he came to town for this little, little trip, he was Sal's buddy, you know, so he like tagged us, tagged around with Sal like wherever he went, he was kind of hung out and Joey's really quiet. Um, and not in a bad way, in like a respectful way. So he comes out by us. This is probably 2007-ish, something like that. And this went when Sal and I, you couldn't tell us nothing at this. I don't care what you, you couldn't tell us shit at this time. right? We were, and, we, and we were wrestling everywhere. So it was a perfect time for him to come out. So he comes out. Friday, we were somewhere. Let's see, somewhere in Illinois. Um, and then like the next night, we were in Indianapolis. So it's like a four hour drive. So, so we do the show and we're in the car smoking weed the whole time. I mean, just tons and tons and tons of weed. We never were not smoking weed. And he's not a guy that smokes weed at all. And and he could just kind of tolerate Like we told him, like, if you're in our car, it kind of is what it is, you know, like stick your head out the window, you know, no offense. So we, uh, and at the same time, we had Cobra Robinson with us who smokes cigarettes like a chimney. He never, he puts one out with the other one. Right. So it's just smoke in this car the whole time, burrowing down the streets. Then we get to Indianapolis and we have, it, it's a, it's a death mat show. So he goes from iron, which is like, shake your hand again, you know, <laughs> to like necro butcher. Right. And, 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 and he, and, and he wasn't ready for it. So then the end of the night, necro and I, or necro tells me about 10 minutes down the road, man, a guy's got some good mushrooms. You want to go get some mushrooms? Hell yeah. I want to get some mushrooms. So now we're like, okay guys, we're not taking the four hour trip home. We're going to go 10 minutes that way. Well, 10 minutes that way was like an hour and a half that way. It was okay. not 10 minutes that way. So we get to this dude's house and it, and it's like a quiet suburban. And we're like, what? We're going to eat mushrooms here. Like, okay. So we walk in now we sit down, we get our mushrooms and I don't want to eat them here now. Cause I'm going to like, at this point I couldn't get mushrooms on the regular. So I don't want to waste them at this guy's freaking house, you know. So I'm like, hey, Necro, you're good, you're good eating. Your-. Necro's taking one at a time and just eating them like like chips, right? He, oh, you guys want to go, man? I'm fine. You guys can go. All right. So we leave Necro at this dude's house, and we start driving home. So. He saw this crazy so deathmatch. The whole time, the whole time, sitting on the couch, just sitting there, and he's eating mushrooms. Necro's eating mushrooms, and he's all crazy. And he's got he's got a fucking pot leaf tattoo on his shoulder, you know. And he's just telling him crazy deathmatch stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> we said that we sat at the guy's house for like an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. So. <laughs> So now we start driving home, and and now we're like, you know, how, how was your trip? And how was this? And you know, just, oh, you know, it, yeah, it was fine. Everything, everything was fine. He flies home Monday. I get a call from Sal. Yeah, Joey quit the business, man. I go, what? <laughs> On Monday, he quit the yeah, he quit the business. So, and I, I don't know any more than that. That might not be the full story because again, it wasn't my my guy. But that's going to have him recommendation here a, a couple of weeks uh, from now. Oh, uh, I want yeah. You, you please, please, but ask him about all those those little points. I I, I, I want I want to hear I want to hear. Yeah. Oh,
0: dude, that is hilarious, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Road story. I have a funny California story. Uh, so this is almost at the end. By the way, Sal and I would rib everybody. We would rib. I mean, rib, rib, like rib people. Put all sorts of shit in their bags. Lock their bags up. Hide their bags. Tie their shoes. Throw their shoes over the uprights. Like in a build. Like we we were the guys that fucked with everybody. To the point that Donovan came up to us and he said. If you guys rip one more person, I'm going to shit in your bag while you guys watch me shit in your bag. And, and, and he wasn't like, there was no, that's what was going to happen. And we're like, okay. So we leave. So we're going to have a party. I lived at Nick Shiboya at this time, right? Uh, in San Jose. So we're, we bring everybody over, over, over to our house. We're going to have a little party. So drinks are happening. Well, Nick had two pit bulls and his front yard was a very small front yard, but that was the pit bull shit area. No one picked it up. There was more shit in this yard than grass. And I'm not even kidding. There was so much shit in this front yard. So I'm out there and we're smoking a cigarette. I'm I'm with Sal and we're, we're bullshitting. And I go, I go, Oh yeah. Who'd you come out with tonight? I came out with Remember that wrestler Kryptonite? Yeah. Okay. So it was Kryptonite, Sal, and like two other SPW guys. <clears throat> I go oh, see, Kryptonite drove? He goes, Yeah, I go, you got kryptonite's keys? He goes, I do. I go, okay, man, hold on a minute. I go in the house and I get those little sandwich baggies, not the ones that the ziplocky, but just the sandwich baggie. And I I go, here, hold these. And I grab a hunk of shit and with the baggie and I pull it through now. So now I have a clean, clean piece of poo and a clean bag, right? And we 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 open up his car and I throw one under the driver's seat and I throw it under the passenger seat. Now we're just laughing. And then Sal's like, That's all we're gonna do. I go. Okay, what else do we want to do? We started grabbing handfuls of shit with these bags and we're tucking it under his uh under his like like uh the like the like the steering wheel. There's that little lip. We're oh, shoving yeah, it yeah. under there. And then in the glove box, we shoved it under the glove box. Then th- then we go we go in the fucking we go in the far back, open the trunk up and we pull the lining out and we shoved bags of shit down in this lining. Now this this is summertime in California. Oh. So we, clo- we close the lining back up, lock it back up, lock the car up, go inside. The night's over. Everyone crashed over at our house. They were going to leave the next morning, whatever. So it sat in this car for eight, eight hours, right? Mm-hmm. Sales got to drive home with them the next day. So I get the full report. They get in the car and, 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 and Kryptonite's like, anyone's who stepped on shit? And everyone's like looking at their shoes and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. So they start driving away when they get to the first stop sign. Like he like, like was too close. So we kind of slammed on his brakes a little bit. And the bags of shit rolled out from under the seats so he was like oh, oh who put shit in my car and he was all mad so he takes him out and throws them out thinking the shit's out of the car right but it's everywhere everywhere lined in his whole vehicle so yeah oh another spot we put it you know that little armrest deal so where it has like a compartment to get in the trunk yeah yeah yeah. yeah. we shoved a bag right in there and closed it so he found that shit so sale tells me about a, a few months later he had to sell the car like it, 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 the car was ruined, it was ruined. yeah damn yeah. I've been was, looking we, for crypto too. I want to get him on here one day. I'm going to, did, did he know eventually? I don't know. We moved. Like that may have been a going away party. Like, 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 like we, I'll tell you this much. I never saw him again. I, I know Absolutely. that, but we never, we never told him either I would love to tell him that it was me, and not for any, not, not cause he's a dick. I actually liked him a lot. I thought he was a really good dude. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: What about a favorite shady promoter story? A time that or funny cute excuse excuses. Why not? You didn't get paid at a show.
1: Oh, we always got paid. No, no one, no one, no one didn't pay us. You you, you didn't mess with my car. Never. You didn't mess with my car. Oh, we've taken cash boxes. Like we, we don't, you don't. And we got, we got, we learned a long time ago to work the boys. Like you don't work the fans, you work the boys. If you smarten the boys up, the boys smarten the fans up. Right. So we, we, everyone thought we were such heels and we were very impossible to deal with because we would snap on people. Like we, we would work people in back that we were these real assholes. And, and you, you might look back now and go, wow, that, that was a really weird way to do it. Was it? Everywhere we went, we had killer fucking matches. You, you couldn't tell us we, we, we weren't at least one of the best matches on the entire show, yeah. you know? So, so for us, it didn't, it, it didn't matter. And we had these egos about us. At the time, your ego, if you had an ego and it was legit, you got pushed. Now it's like, oh, that guy has an ego. Yeah, who cares? You know, that's what, stars are made from ego. They're not made from uh, someone saying this guy's a star no it doesn't work so i I would say i never really had a lot of shady promoters we did have a lot of piss bucket promotions legitimately where you're in the back and there's just a piss bucket you know Mm -hmm. it's like shitty promotions um no man we we've always gotten paid what about any uh ahead. no go ahead
0: uh what about any uh crazy fan interactions that you guys have had especially maybe like at
1: icp shows i mean i've never really been to one but yeah what's the vibe in those so, you know, man, because we know how to be heels. Like, like mo- most heels go to go to JCW and they walk out and they're like Eminem rules. And they're like, they just like spit in the guy's face. Like, don't even don't don't do that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we come out and we they are OK. If you want 1980s wrestling fans, it's juggalos like they don't know wrestling at all, Like they don't even kind of know wrestling. Right. And, and so if you just go out there and, and, and you make them just hate you for being you without dumping on them being juggalos. Dude, they will—they rabid, rabid fans. We we were running a spot one time um, to go into the double down. Boom, double clothesline, we're both down, and I'm laying there, and, and the guy, like we're, we're head by head, and and I'm not I'm not looking at him, and I hear thunk. Now mind you, the whole all JCW shows you're getting pegged with rocks and all sorts of shit. Our matches, they wouldn't throw nothing because they wanted to watch the matches. So that's that's how you knew in JCW if they gave a shit about you, right? So I'm laying there, thunk. And I look over because I, I hear it, you know, and it wasn't like a rock, it was a big substance. And I hear, it's a brick of fireworks. At the minute I saw it's a brick of fireworks, it's right by my face. All I could do was like, do this. Yeah. And it, it went off for like, there had to be a thousand of them. It went it, it, The mat was on fire. I mean, it was so many fireworks. I grabbed the dude, go home. And we just went right, right the fuck home and got the hell out of there. Yeah. So that same show, there's a battle royal. One of the dudes gets dumped to the outside and there, there's guardrails. So he, 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 like flip-flops over the top, stands up and like leans up against the guard like this. The juggalos reached over and grabbed him and pulled him into, into the crowd and beat this guy. They beat this dude up for minutes, minutes to then They threw his ass right back over and he was beat scratches, just beat the shit out of him for no reason. That's the crowd that you're in when you're working a JCW show. So it, it it's a vibe. It's a it's it's a big vibe, man. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Smothers one night. Tracy Smothers is wrestling Two Tough Tony, and Mickey is Mickey is like the special guest referee, Mickey Knuckles, and they're trying to go around the ring and, and they're fighting in the crowd, and like uh, Two Tough Tony like cocks back. I'm gonna hit him. I'm gonna hit him. And some lady rifles Tony off the side. She goes, No, I'll hit him. And she stepped right in, and blasted Tracy. Boom, knocks Tracy knocks Tracy to the ground. He's bleeding. She put her ring. She whatever whatever she hit him. She had like a ring and it went right into his eye. And he had this big, huge, like what looked like an inverted zit in his head because of how this lady hit him with a ring and knocked him clear out. He goes, I I he goes, I've been hit by men six times her size. That's the hardest woman in the room. She's the hard hardest one. Yeah. Knocked him clear out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Juggalo fans are crazy, man. But I'll tell you what, man. When you when you show them what's up, they will they'll buy all your shit. They will, they'll support you. They will, you know, share all your posts. Like they're very loyal, yeah. insanely loyal. So it's, it's give and take, no. but yeah, we, we, we earned our time there, man.
0: Tell us about an embarrassing moment that you've had at a show, either wrestling or, or outside of the ring.
1: Uh, one time I, <laughs> I was coming home from California to visit for the holidays and I didn't do any laundry. And my mom said, just bring it home. I'll, I'll wash it and pack it or send it back. I said, fine. So I had a big Adidas hockey bag that I'd had for years at this point. And it was stuffed. You couldn't have put a sock in it, right? So I'm waiting now. We're waiting by the, by the terminal or whatever that is, you know, the, where your baggage comes out. All of a sudden, I, I see the Adidas bag come out. And then I see this, these clothes behind it. My bag had ripped open. And they just threw that shit up there. So now all my dirty laundry, dirty underwear, yes, dirty underwear comes around. And now I'm picking up my bag. Everyone's looking at me and I'm like shoving all this like dirty clothes <laughs> back into this ripped up bag and I can't fit it in there. Oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about that's the only one that comes to my mind with, with embarrassing, but yeah, yeah man, I, I, I had a lot of fun, man. I, I I was always around to do something fun. You know, even like with the clowns, like we would go on tour and we'd have a day off and they'd give us a rent a like you guys have it for 12 hours. You want to go this way, six hours and come back this way, six hours. We'll, we'll just go wherever you guys want to go. So we were in New York city. We made them drive us around for pizza and show us this and show us that it was, I look back, man. I did a lot of really unique things that, yeah. that make, make life today worth living. And I don't have a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of guys that in their thirties and forties are like, Oh, I didn't do anything in my twenties. You know what? I did too much in crazy time. I'll, I'll live with Donovan for a year and get back to me, <laughs> you know? So yeah, man, it's, it's, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. And I'm very, I'm very appreciative of, mm-hmm. of everything.
0: So winding down a little bit, uh, just tell us, you know, something that, what, what did, what did you find disappointing about the business, um, all the years that you've been in it?
1: You know, I, I gotta be honest, nothing the, the I, I explained this on my podcast, the wrestling business is like a cookie. Right. And it never, ever, it never goes away. You can always grab at and eat it and eat the chocolate and eat the marshmallow, whatever's on it. You can eat that cookie. And if you're, if you're full, you can sit down and wait. And then when you're ready to eat again, you can just jump back up and you can eat more of it if you want to. So it, it, it's really what you make of that cookie, you know? And, and, and for me, I got in at the very tail end of the territories, right? I got in what we call it like the territory trainer days, because all the guys that got out of the territories didn't make any money started a school. Right. And I got, that's when I kind of came in. So I I was the tail end of the attitude era. Right into what is what is wrestling today so our wrestling today was started by Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn those matches is what made wrestling what we see on TV today started in those matches yeah right I saw all that I was a part of all that I was working at that time mm-hmm. you know so so I got to see the coolest part of the business I, I was a fan for all the fun fan stuff. And that didn't get ruined for me by the business at the time that it was going to get ruined for me by the business. It was ruining it for everybody that was watching it, right? All the secrets were exposed. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I, I truly feel my, I'm 40 now. So I was Vince's project forever. I was the fan. He was trying to market to forever. So yeah. I got to see the coolest part of the business that we'll ever see. I believe ever, you know, so I, I, I'm it, there is nothing bad. And I think that people look back and they go, Oh, I didn't get enough opportunities. Cause you didn't put yourself in that opportunity. You, yeah. you, you're not owed nothing. The cookie is there, right? But you ain't owed, a, you're not owed a slice of it. And if someone sees you eating that cookie and you're not supposed to eat that fucking cookie. Oh, yeah. right. So that I, I would say nothing. I would say it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's the coolest business to be a part of. And today it's never been easier to get over. And today it's never been easy to make a make money without being on TV you yeah. know, so if anything, I would say I'm just mad that I that I came up, you know, uh, then than now, but I would have missed all that really cool stuff. So, yeah, no, man, I'm appreciative of it, everything of it. And, and the further and further I get away from it, the more fond memories I have of it, you know?
0: Yeah, I would call it like I would call you like the Forrest Gump effect be, just because Forrest Gump was there for every major Thing that happened, like the Vietnam War, yeah, you know, more the, yeah. This and that and that. So like you you were always there at points where it's like shit's happening.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that that is great. That is great. I, yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. So I, I I don't know, and I still pay attention to it to this day. You know, I'm, I pay for more streaming services than I probably should. Um, I I, I think of myself as a historian at this point. And anything after WrestleMania six. You know, it's pretty much I can I can tell you what was going on and why and who was a part of it. And, yeah. you know, and so it's something I'll, I kind of always, always do. You know, it's yeah, it's uh, it's always there for you. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, tell us uh, what you're up to now. Uh, where can people find more
1: information about you? Yeah. So uh, one gimmick world is a podcast network that I myself and Ben Jordan, who's the co-host of mine, been running since 2008. Um, we've been doing it a very long time uh, and we've converted it in over to YouTube now. So we're available on YouTube. So one gimmick world podcast network has all of our videos up there. Uh, we do a lot of prank phone calls too. Uh, we do a lot of trolling. Like we trolled, uh, we trolled uh, Austin idol, like NWA legend Austin idol was trying to start a promotion. He put an ad on Craigslist for, he needed 125 grand. So our fans send us that right away. So I get on the phone with them for over so three weeks. I troll Austin idol as a money mark. Right. And I want to I want to invest. And I start asking him all these business questions and he has no answers. And I start clowning him. And, and then at the end of it, I tell him, you know, I'm goofing on you. Right. He's like, what? I go, yeah, I'm just I'm just goofing on you. So that, we, we do that kind of stuff over there. Yeah. We also have very long winded interviews. Um, you know, we it, it's, a, it's a topic conversation kind of environment for us. So every week it's something a little different. Um, and also we're creating a cartoon right now. Uh, and, and the cartoon is coming along. It's called The Carnies um it's it's a wrestling family based in the south uh so it's not wrestling related at all you're if you see wrestling in the cartoon it's going to be like hey remember when you broke your finger in a match like it'll go backwards and be like ah that's all you'll see you won't see like tying up or it's not it's none of that I, i i define it like this if you watch married with children You're not watching Al, the shoe salesman. You're watching Al Bundy at home, right? So this is Al Bundy at home in a sense. So this is hillbilly family. The daughter's hot and she can wrestle and the wife's retired. They have a little four-year-old son named Vomit and he's a real piece of shit. And But he's, he's the one in the family, till age seven, this family has the ability to think. But after age seven, they're just hillbillies and they have no ability to think. So he's like the voice of reason. Yeah. We have Corbett Robinson as the dog. You know, every family has like the dog that talks in a cartoon. He's mm-hmm. the talking dog that lives in the attic. And, and, we, and we have uh, Johnny August. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Johnny August is one of our characters along with Harry Humble. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's fantastic. So we're doing a lot of, every single thing about this cartoon is almost all the stuff I told you about, a lot of stories from my time are going to be given into this family. Um, awesome. and, and shown. The, uh, we, we were known as the Shit Bandits. Do I have time for one more story? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, there's no time limit on this, so. <laughs> so so we, uh, we're known as the shit bandits. I know that sounds kind of funny. You know, I like get Home Alone, the wet bandits? Mm-hmm. So we, that was like our favorite movie. So we call ourselves the shit bandits because when we go places, we would shit on the floor in certain places, like like in bathrooms. So this is the way you do it. Because I'm sure the first question was, well, how do you do that, Vito? So if you sit on the toilet, like a normal toilet, right, your, your normal seat, instead, take your left butt cheek and put it on the right part of the seat. So now you're exposed, right? And then you take your your outside hand and pull the outside cheek up. So now you're ready to shit and just shit right on the floor. Now, here's how you do it, though. Once you're done, you wipe, you do the whole thing, you flush. Now, you got to take toilet paper, like 30 sheets of it, and then you snake coil it around the poo, right? So that when someone comes in to clean the bathroom, they're like, oh, man, there's toilet paper on the ground again. And they just go to pick it up and they find the mess. That's the key is, is how they find the mess right? So we started doing that everywhere. And we thought it was the funniest thing ever. All the truck stops on 80 were destroyed for like a three-year period of time, just destroyed. <laughs> so one time we go to a Denny's and my brother did it right when we got there. And we're like, Brandon, we just got here. Like, can we not be here? You know, we just got here. Yeah. Sure enough, he does it. So Now it's over. Now I'm going to go take care of the business. So I go there now. I should, now we come back. We're laughing and we're all laughing and we leave. We get like a half hour away. And we're like, you guys realize like the guy that's working there, they're like, Joe, someone someone shit on the floor he's like what whoa like that's a one-off that's not that's not doesn't happen a lot right like piss on the floor sure right but like it's not it's not so and then an hour later after you've done cleaning up you've had your cigarette break you're so mad you're back washing dishes joe joe someone's shit. now you think someone at work is doing it right yeah, like you yeah, think yeah. someone there is doing it to you right that's the kind of psychology that we were thinking of as we we're doing this so now we started thinking about other interesting ways to do it so my brother now, his key is, I want to shit in a urinal. He goes, I just want to shit in a urinal one time. Like, all right. So he tells me to watch out for him so he can shit in his urinal. After a couple of minutes, I'm, I'm waiting. I got bored, so I leave. He hears the door open. He thinks it's me. Guy walks in. And all of a sudden, he sees the dude. He tries to like, scamper away. And, he, and, and, and as he walks away, the guy walks up to the toilet. And he goes, oh, <laughs> That's a terrible place to take a shit. So my brother got to hear the mark, find it, right? (laughs) So that just kept up up in the ante and up in the ante, right? Next time we go out, we get in this hotel room. We're going to be there for two days. Right away, my brother shits in the upper tank. We like to shit in the upper tank a lot because that's that's the funny one, right? So we're starting to shit in the upper deck. We're like, Brandon, we're going to be here two days. So for the next two days, all of us, four guys, all of us, shit in the upper tank, never flushing at once. Never. We just packed this fucking toilet with shit. Right. So, so we, we rent a movie, like, like the last, the last day that we rent, we rent the movie and it wouldn't work for whatever reason. So the lady walks in to help us, you know, and as she's leaving my brother, I swear to God. And we all start laughing. My, my brother, as she's leaving, she's like, bye guys. Brandon goes, Hey, bye. Sorry for being so shitty. And we all fucking, we all laughed. Like we've never laughed. Our, and her, that bowl had to be thrown out. Like there, there's no way they could have, there was shit and, and shit paper. We, we just treated that. Oh. Like yeah. 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 At, oh, at That's a shoot. So this, this is the grand finale. We, we we're in Philly. I think we're in King of Prussia. So we're, we're, we're out, we're out in Pennsylvania and uh, <laughs> my brother shits in the ice bucket. Right. And he sets it outside the door now of like where we're all at. And I'm like, Oh, Brandon. So I open, I open the door to get out of the room and I just wing it down the hallway and I close the door. Well, of course, an hour later, we're still sitting there. And I'm like, I wonder what happened to the bucket. So I go I go outside and I go to look. And we're like at the very long end of the hallway. Like we're at the far end. And I look and I can't see it. I'm like, where'd it go? I step out. I look at the far end by the elevators. My bucket's sitting upright over there now. And there's no way I threw it that far, right? So I'm like, so okay, let me go see what's going on. So I, so I walk down there. The bucket's fine. But now the poop is just like flattened out, like almost like chili, right? Oh, So I'm like, I'm going to put it on the elevator, boom, hit, hit the button. And and now, and now I'm holding it like this. Right. Right. As the door opens up, this lady walks around the corner. She goes, are you going to get ice too? And I go, yeah yeah i am so like now i i i get in the elevator and i'm holding like how do you hold an ice bucket i'm I'm holding this and shit is just it's just wafting me in the face this lady comes in door closes we're just hi how are you oh yeah i know pennsylvania great okay it's the weekend awesome by the time we get to like the third sentence she smells the shit like it's 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 Uh... filling this room so door opens she walks out first and does like an about face and turns back towards me. As she does that, I'm walking forward and my bucket's kind of tilted down. She looks down at she looks at me. She looks at the bucket, sees what it is, looks at me, sees at the bucket. knows she is smelling shit. Like everything is happening now in this woman's <laughs> world, and she's like trying to process it all. Uh. I step back. I I shit you not. All of a sudden, doors ying, I sat there instead of her. She said, me. we didn't say one word to each other. I set that thing down in the elevator. I run back to the wrong guy. My guys, guys, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. And I, I, I <laughs> great best part of the story, we go to leave now. We walk out the side door. They wung the shit out of the bucket into the rocks, right outside the door. Oh, We slam. know it wasn't that shit right there. Boom. I hucked the shit out, which means at a, at a Motel 8 in King of Prussia, they saved that ice bucket and oh because they wouldn't wing the shit out and then bring it inside and clean it yeah i mean i'm sorry they wouldn't bring it in and and throw it out they would have just thrown it out yeah they dumped it out to use it again oh fuck yeah (laughs) yeah those 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 are the those are just a couple quick ones there man but we we, like i say the road was ours for you though yeah they did the road was ours man we had to spend a lot of time with with, you know with with, with a lot of good guys too man i don't know it's great everything about it's great Thanks a lot, Vito Tomaselli yeah.
0: of the Iron Saints, of the Shit Bandits. <laughs> Thank you for doing the podcast, brother. It was great talking to you. Like I said, we haven't yeah. talked since you left uh, Pro Wrestling Iron, so this was this was kind of cool to catch up. Any closing, yeah, thanks for- any
1: closing thoughts, anything you want to say? You know what, thanks for having me, and if you guys want to check us out, uh, you can search One Gimmick World Podcast Network on any app of any kind of, of podcasting. We like Podbean uh that's like i say our facebook as well too and our youtube constant content going up all week we do watch old school watch alongs where we take three matches from pre-1984 and we have a specialist on rick thompson is going to be coming on to do one of those with us nice. to, break down, to break down the break down the cow palace and then we also stream my company elite pro we're about a year and a half into the promotion at this point we stream it every monday night um and give you the background of what's going on at the same time too so always something going on and i like what you guys are doing too so uh i'm, I'm glad you. to be on here too thanks for having me on and thank you california Thank you. Thank you, brother. And uh, thank you for watching Indie Handshake. I've been Jesus Cruz with Vito
0: Tomaselli. We'll catch you next time.